So we're talking about vows. And I titled this, I vow to God. Just kidding. Because too many times, what happens is in the zeal of the moment, we're excited. And we want to do something. And then when the reality of what that is comes, we're like, oh, Jesus, I don't know that I really want to do that. And we've done that with family and friends, I'm sure. If any of you have it, you can raise your hand and we'll clap. But when you do it with God, it's a little more serious. I mean, you don't punk God, and you can't ghost God because, like, he's everywhere. So he's going to find you anyway. So you need to stand strong. And it says, guard your steps when you go into the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know they're doing wrong. When Solomon was writing, the house of God was this immense place. It was a temple that he was talking about. Now, for the average Jew, except certain times of the year, they would worship in the local synagogue, as any of you have read the New Testament, Jesus did. And he was not well-received in his synagogue, but what he's saying is, if you come into the temple, show the reverence that is necessary. Don't shoot your mouth off. Don't think you're smarter than whomever is leading in this worship service. I mean, imagine, if you will, if you update. You know, it talks about the fact that... The other thing, too, when we talk about age, just as a aside, Pastor Peter's getting a little older, so next time, up the font, maybe five or ten, you know... Just saying, because I'm like, I said, maybe we need to take notes. <laughs> One of the things that we find is happening when they came into the temple is often they were being sacrifices. And they're talking about a fool who just throwing sacrifices there. Let's put it in place so you can, can get an understanding in nowadays' event. You come up and, and you have this beautiful, sleek ram that you're going to sacrifice. So before you actually get there, you know, you get everything and, you know, you want this to look good because actually there's, you know, hundreds of people around. So you spend the day grooming it, you know, making sure a little bit of brill cream or whatever it takes. So that coat is really shining. So when you bring it up to the priest for sacrifice, they're going like, wow, is it that awesome? And then when the priest gets ready, before they do the actual sacrifice, out comes the phone and you need a selfie. So that you can prove to all your buds when you post it on Instagram, look, look at what I did. Isn't everything wonderful? Kind of misses the point. If you remember when Jesus was talking about the widow and her might, he was standing by the treasury and everyone was coming. And if a lot of people, which I think is total foolishness, but it's the way they did it, is if you were very rich, and you were going to put a large sum into the treasury, you'd actually have someone, one of your servants standing before you who would blow a trumpet. So everyone would turn around, oh, this is even easier to read, and look and say, oh, wow, look at what they're doing. But it was the widow who was commended 
because she didn't raise a fuss, she didn't do anything, she just took all that she had and said, Lord, I give this to you because I know you're going to do great things with it. And she's the one who's remembered, not the guy who took the selfie. So we need to understand, and when it's talking about fools, it says, don't be quick with your mouth, do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven. You are on earth, so let your words be few. Basically, you're there to listen and to learn. When we come before God to praise and worship, our focus needs to be Father God. Now, a fool has a totally different thought of what they should do in that given time. Because for a fool, it's all about me. There's even a song which I'm not going to sing because that's why I come up after the music people and not beforehand because it isn't pretty. I prayed to God. I said, oh, Lord, I don't really have a good singing voice. Please help me. Give me a good singing voice. So he gave me Nancy. And if any of you have heard it, no, if any of you heard her sing, I see Mike around here somewhere. You've heard her sing, you know. Uh, she has a beautiful, beautiful voice. So God is in the business of preparing us to serve before him. And as we'll go to the next slide, it says, A dream comes when there are many cares, and many words mark the speech of a fool. So we ask ourselves real quickly, are you a fool? There we go. The Bible gives us radically different definitions of a fool. The Bible describes a fool as being someone who is either morally deficient or someone who denies God's existence. When you really think about it, it's someone who is totally self-focused. Someone who really doesn't have time to focus on God because they're either the victim or they need to be the center of attention. And if you start serving God, that really messes your life up. Because if you're to be the center of attention, but you've got to worship God, he kind of like needs to be the center of attention. So it makes it very difficult to be able to say, hey, what exactly is it that we're doing? A fool really doesn't care what God thinks. A fool is a person who oftentimes denies the existence of God. Well, can you prove to me that there's a God? Usually when they get hot and heated about it, I need to see proof. I need to see that there's a God. I usually do one of these because I don't want the thunderbolt to hit me by mistake. <laughs> there is ample evidence of the existence of God in our lives. But a lot of people choose not to take that path. And the Bible describes folks like that who just want nothing to do with God, have no belief or desire for God. They call him a fool. Actually, it was interesting in the New Testament, Jesus said, if you call someone a fool, you can be in trouble. He says, if you call someone a fool, you can be in danger of hellfire. Because a fool is always against God, is always away from the things of God, and oftentimes making these rash vows. Oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, I'm going to do that. And then when they say, okay, well, 
now you need to meet your vow. Oh, I was just kidding. No, no, you know, I, I was going to, but, but then uh, I looked at the standard and pause, and I'm the pause, so can't do it. Sorry. We're not fools, but sometimes we have a tendency to do foolish things. Sometimes we open our mouths when we probably should keep it shut. After I did that enough times, God gave me my own personal prophet. You've all met Nancy, and she's very good at that. And, and it isn't like, you know, she says, thus saith the Lord. Usually I get the, did you really want to say that? Are you sure that's how you wanted to do it? Is that how a godly man would act? Ooh, that one always just kind of gets right between the eyes. But it's true. Now, ladies, that does not give you the excuse to be the personal prophet. Nancy has tremendous wisdom, as I know all that you ladies do. However, we need to work and walk together. There are some times when I'll say to Nancy, do you really want to do that? But when you're together praying, when you're together believing God, then you can see great things happening in your marriage. The biggest challenge that many of the marriages have is the fact that they don't put God first. You know, let's face it, you get married, you want to be together, but life doesn't necessarily allow that to happen. Oftentimes, a gentleman is out building his career. Nowadays, the ladies do that as well. And then there's the children, and frequently you find children are more the responsibility of mom, even though we share them. Now, tell me if I'm lying or not. Your child falls, hurts themselves. You're right there to comfort them, you know, bandage the knee if they rip, which they always do. I and mean, if you have children, you know those that you don't have to buy jeans for them that holes in them because within a week, it's going to be there. You know, why spend the extra money? But I can remember, you know, I, I patch up the knee and everything else and they'd be fine. And then there would be mom. Everything changed. They ran to mom, started crying and bawling. They're like, the kid's okay. She just fell. It isn't like she's, you know, anything bad happened. No, no. And mom would just love on them and comfort them and everything else. And when they're feeling sick, they, they come and they see me. Oh, I'm not feeling good. Oh, okay. Well, no. Where's mom? Okay. Huh? Where's mom? Mom's not here. Oh, I guess she'll do. But as we have a focus that God is first in all that we do, then we don't have to worry about being a fool. We may at times do foolish things. And one of the biggest foolish things that folks tend to do is when it comes to a vow. It's like, well, you know, I promise to do that. How many people, oh Lord, if you do this, I promise that forever, this is what I'll do. And God comes through and we kind of forget. Or we may do it for a little bit, you know, but then, hey, you know, life is what it is. So 
Guys, you want to flip over to the next one? And I have the question is, are you a fool? It says, fools hate knowledge, disobey their parents, and are deceitful. Well, when I was in my teens, I'd have probably been called a fool. Teenagers get to a point where they know everything. They know more than their parents. They know more than their teachers. They know more than their coaches. I remember being benched because there, there was a designated play, we played football, and I was a tackle. And we were supposed to move in a certain way, and I had a certain uh, blocking assignment. However, the entire side shifted, so there was literally a clear line. And in high school football, you don't have to de declare who's an eligible receiver and who isn't. So I'm like, I'm right here. Throw me the ball. That wasn't what I was asked to do. I wasn't a receiver. My role was to block. Did I want to listen to do that? No. Why? Because I wanted to get the glory. And there's a difference when you think about it between someone who's a fool or who acts foolishly and someone who uses godly wisdom. Who do you want to get the glory? Who do you want to focus? Who? If it's you, oh, there's plenty of opportunities to get your 15 minutes of fame. And with the selfies, it can be posted real quickly. For you young ones, just a word of caution, that never goes away. Which means that when you're 50 or 60 years old, that can all of a sudden pop up at a most inconvenient time. So think before you post, think before you act. Because it can dog you for life. Let's move to the next fame. It says, are you a fool? We talked about denying the existence of God, refusing to listen, disobedience, focused on feelings, focused on pleasure, and ignoring responsibility. So much of our world right now is all based on feelings and what's going to provide me pleasure, irregardless of my responsibilities. I can't tell you the number of times we've had to work with folks, young folks who have a child and the father is nowhere to be found. Where's the responsibility? The pleasure was there, but there was no responsibility. And the feelings, oh yes, I'll be there, I'll marry you and raise a baby with you. And then when push comes to shove, oh, hey, you know, you're, you're starting to get a little portly, but she's looking fine. And then someone is left all alone. That's a fool because they didn't take their responsibility. They didn't stand and step into the place they needed to be. Generally speaking, if the path is easy and there's no challenges with it, it may not be the right one. I've found it's a lot harder sometimes doing the right thing than it is doing 
the fun and easy thing. It doesn't really matter how you feel about something. Now, guys and ladies, how many times have you gotten up in the morning and it's like, oh, I really don't want to go to work. Oh, but you went anyway? Because it didn't matter how you felt. Because the real funny thing about that is your boss doesn't really care how you feel. He didn't hire you for feelings. He hired you to get a job done. You have a responsibility, you have an expectation of what you need to do. And it doesn't matter. Oh, you know, I'm not going to do that because I just don't feel right about it. Ask yourself two quick questions. Is it legal? Is it ethical? If you can answer yes to both of those questions, and we're talking general ethics, not your feeling ethics of the day, then do it. There have been a lot of times where I've been asked to do things I haven't been particularly happy about. But you know what? I don't work for me. I work for my employer, and if that's what they ask me to do, then this is what I do. It's not rocket science. Going from a place of acting foolishly or being a fool to being a responsible man or woman of God doesn't take a lot, but it's still very hard. Because you have to do what's uncomfortable. You have to set yourself apart. Those of you who have come out of the world and say, the nightclubs were your thing, and your friends every Saturday, you all went there and partied. Well, you have a choice. You can show up for church like you, you know, just been through World War III, because it was really good last night. Or you can say, you know what? Now, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to go a different way with this. But of course, you know exactly what they say. Oh, you got that God thing. And they always seem to take the word God, and they don't just say, oh, you're, this is because of your God, it's the, your God thing. And they try to embarrass you. And for some folks, it works. And they go, oh, yeah, you know, maybe they're right. This is a tad aside, but for those of you who were just baptized, watch out. Because the enemy is going to put stuff in your way that is going to be just that. It's going to try to trigger you to say, oh yeah, it felt good at the time, but I know it wasn't real. It is real. And it's an eternity thing. And as you begin to get older and realize that your years here on this earth are fewer and fewer, you tend to get more serious. You tend to shift your priorities. It's nice to have pleasure. And I mean, I don't think there's a one of us who doesn't experience pleasure as a praising and worshiping God, as we're spending time with him, as we're spending time with friends. One of the greatest pleasures I have is to be able to minister to or counsel a couple and see God transform that relationship. See God just renew that marriage. It's amazing. That's the pleasure that I live for. That's what's important. And that, as believers, we look to focus on as well. Because without that, 
things can get pretty rough. I mean, there are responsibilities that we're expected to do as believers. Spending time in prayer. Scripture says in Hebrews 10, 25, forsake not the, I was raised on King James, so sorry. Uh, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, which basically means don't miss church. And you know something, for those of you who are hundreds of miles away from here, I get it. That's a plane ticket. But for the rest of you who are within hours, my voice, you're going to get so much more out of being in one of those seats than sitting there with your cup of coffee in your morning Danish. Not jumping, love to have you here, but you need to be among fellow believers. Fellow believers are what build you up. Fellow believers are what makes you strong. That's why we push crews. Because, I mean, pastor had asked me to do another crew, and so Nancy says, oh, well, you'll, you'll just do that crew rather than yours. I said, absolutely not. The crew that I have on Tuesday nights, and a shout out to all the men in that crew, that's my lifeline. I get there and I can actually be me. I can say let my hair down, but there is nothing to let down, so, you know, we go on. But those of you who are in crews enjoy the fact that you have the ability to be among other believers, that you're able to together grow to be better. They will help you discern the difference between principles and feelings. Help you to not ignore your responsibility, but with their help to meet it. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. We're responsible to help others as they walk through. Okay, guys, next slide. It says, when you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It's better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. It's interesting. The newer versions of Scripture, and there is one real plus of that. When I grew up, you basically had two choices. You had King James or you had the Revised Standard Version. That was pretty much all. And when you were encouraged to memorize, it was out of one of those two. And you had to have the exact wording. Nowadays, everyone says slightly different. This one says we make a vow to not fulfill it. In the King James, and even in the original Hebrew, he uses the term pay. Because many of the vows that we make, and those of you who've come from different churches probably understand this, they'll have a special project. And they want people to make a pledge or a vow that they will give so much a week or so much a month towards achieving this. Do you notice pastor never does that? He says we're having an offering. Boom. He may announce it the week before, but... That's it. And there's a reason why, because so many people get into that place and make a promise initially more than they really can afford because their heart is stirred and they really want to make a good impression and really want to help out in that situation. 
And then when the reality of the finances come, it's like, ugh, I don't know that I can afford it. So then two things happen. Number one, you stop paying, you only pay a little bit of it or less, and then you get embarrassed. And because you're embarrassed, you stop showing up to church. So as soon as you do that, the enemy's like, ha, 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 I got this one. Boom. That is one of the reasons it's so important to honor what you say to God, whether it's finances, whether it's otherwise, because that is so important. And also, understand, and if you get nothing out of this message, understand this, do not stop fellowshipping with believers. If you mess up, okay. You go to someone you trust, you share, you pray together, you get back on your feet, and you move on. Most times we get embarrassed. We get so embarrassed, it's like, no, 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 I, I can't go back there. I can't go back to that church. Well, why? Well, you know, I'd rather not say. You know, it's, what it is, is something's happened. You're embarrassed about it. You don't want anyone to find out. So the best way for that to happen is to just leave. Well, the enemy has you because you are not going to be able to stand effectively by yourself. You may think that you can. You know, I love the people who say to me, oh, no, I don't go to church. It's just me and God. We're church. Okay, Lord, be gracious to them because you know something's going to happen and they just don't have the support. They don't know. They don't grow. Those who are strongest in the faith are the exact same ones who are here all the time and often are even double-dipping because they realize you need to constantly build yourself up. You know, in the third book of, uh, of John, John says to build yourself up in your most holy faith and that pray that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. If you want to see the blessings of God coming into your life, you need to spend time with him, to spend time with fellow believers. I mean, we've had a few times in the men's group where it's definitely been an iron sharpening iron kind of situation, i.e. the sparks flew. And, but you know something? That's how we grew. That's how we said, yeah, they're right. Because Jesus said, the truth will set you free. But the path that got taken out of the King James is, but it'll make you mad as a dickens beforehand. How many times have you come face to face with the truth and been so angry that you didn't want to deal with it? Now, it was the truth, and after a period of time, if you continue to seek God, he will speak that to you in a gentle voice. But sometimes when you get that truth, one of the first ones was when I was pastoring in the Baptist churches, I had got introduced to tithing. I was raised an Episcopalian, you know, a dollar a week and five on Easter and Christmas, and that was good. That was it. That was, there was no more expectation than that. They didn't teach tithing. They didn't teach any of that kind of thing. I got into the Baptist church, and they taught tithing. Now, now I was the associate up there, and I saw the salary, and you want 10% of that? And you expect me to? It was very tough. 
So what I used to do is, is I would pay all my bills and try as best I could to have 10% left over. And then, you know, God would bless that. No, it wasn't happening. And one day, a minister got up and was sharing and said, it's the first 10%. Right. I remember beating up my steering wheel on the way home. I was so angry. I mean, for all those years, I've been given money. I've been struggling to give that money and it didn't mean anything. Praise God, I had Nancy. And she kind of, you know, we were able to get home that night. And, and she kind of brought me down. But some of these truths aren't easy. But we need to follow them. Let's hit the next slide. It says, do not let your mouth lead you into sin. And do not protest to the temple messenger. Hey, my vow was a mistake. I meant it, but you know, it, I just can't keep it up. So, hey, what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do? Kick me out of the temple? Nah. What are you going to do? Put a little red mark by my thing? Ha, huh, I don't care. So what? The reality is, it's important to fulfill your vow. The rest of the portion of Scripture says, what sh why should God be angry at what you say? And this is important. And I'm going to turn around so I can actually see the Scripture better. Ah, oh, blah, 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 angry at what you say and destroy the works of your hands. You've established a relationship with Father God. You're working to grow. And any of you who have been following the Lord for a while know that he prospers us in all areas of our lives. And because of that, we're blessed, our relationships are growing, but when we stop, when we choose not to meet a vow that we vow to God, he said, why should God be angry at what you say? You really don't want to mess with God. You don't want to, first of all, because what will happen is you've got a close relationship with God. You're praying to him, and he's changing your heart. By the way, the reason for prayer is not so that you'll be heard or any other reason. The reason for prayer is so you get that relationship with God, and he changes your heart. You're not changing his heart. He's kind of already got it in place. We kind of think sometimes with prayer that we have to lay out a petition of all the stuff that God's going to do, and he's going to check it off as he does it for us. And, yep, he's a good God. He's obedient to what I say. Whoa, wait a minute here. That's not how it works. But as we spend time with him, he begins to reveal his heart and helps us to see, helps us to grow helps us continue to be blessed. So, you do not want to anger God because all that's been built up can be gone. The relationships, the financial prosperity, prosperity in other ways. And it's really funny, when they talk about the vow in a lot of the original text, they focus on the money because, quite frankly, they realize where a man's wallet is. I think it's a new version of it. Where is it? 
See, I don't even know where the wallet is. Oh, here it is. Where man's wallet is, that's who his heart is. So, if you make a vow, you need to keep it. And if you don't, you risk being put in an area where you're at odds with God. And you don't want that. You don't want to wonder, oh, because once you start breaking that fellowship, it's easy to come back to it because God is right there saying, you know, I love you, I want you, come on back. God is not the one who limits our relationship with him. We are. Because either we don't want to do something, we're embarrassed, we're too busy, there are other things that have our heart now. And so we say, well, wait a minute, what are we doing here? Pay your vow. Let's flip to the next one and we'll, we'll tie this puppy up. He says, are you not seeing the promise? This was, I'm sharing this, this is financial, but with the vows, it can be a lot of other things. The newer translations talk about whatever you vow, fulfill it. The older translations use the term pay because, again, financially, for those of you who are tithing, giving offerings, and you're saying, you know, I'm really not seeing the promises that God had promised in his word. Check that. I'll share for myself prime example because that's always the best way to go. The example is this. Oh, back when I was pastoring in Maine, I wasn't, didn't have the greatest of salaries. It was kind of like, come to us poor in spirit and we'll take care of the rest. So, uh, back, I, before it was CBN, it was called Pat Robinson, and they had this, and I vowed an amount that was one-eighth of my monthly income. And in here, oh, it was great. I was going to do it, and I did for about three weeks. I mean, three months. And then I just, quite frankly, couldn't because the funds involved. And so I kind of stopped, and they sent me reminders, and after a while it stopped. But I was thinking, you know, God, why isn't things happening the way we want them to? Why aren't the blessings you promised coming forth? And so I got before him, and this is a key thing. Anytime something isn't happening in your life as the word promises it will, get in front of God. He's gonna tell you. It's real simple. I mean, the Christian life is not difficult. It's something that's pretty straightforward. We just kind of want to make it difficult. If something's not working in your life, ask God, and he'll tell you what to do. And he, he did. He said, you remember that thing with CBN? Oh, jeepers, yeah. I was, we're talking something that was like 35 years ago. So I paid that. And wow, the blessings came forth because I was honoring the word of God and I was honoring who God was and what I had made, you know, to his people. So 
It's important. Let's flip to the next one. These vows and these givings also include paying our bills. You vow to your creditor, for those of you who have credit cards, that I'm going to pay at least a certain amount every month. If you don't, I mean, the world don't mess around. If you don't pay your bills, your credit rating goes, and gone. And the mortgage company, oh yeah, I know, I made a vow to you that I was going to pay the mortgage every single month. But you understand, and usually by about the third time of, oh, I really wanted to pay that, but I didn't, the sheriff shows up at the door with a little piece of paper and says, you're going to have the privilege of finding new horizons in your life within the next 30 days. And we just know that's a normal part of life. But yeah, we get to the church and we kind of think the rules are different. Why would we think it's okay to dishonor God when it's not okay to dishonor our creditors, whether it be the car company, whether it be the mortgage company, what have you? And it's tough. I mean, one of the things that we had to do for a point was, I like the fact because in my job now, I see clients, patients in their home, and so I would always stop somewhere to eat, and I tried not to do as much the fast food thing. I would stop at an actual restaurant. I get awful expensive, uh, but I really didn't want to do the sandwich route. But I looked and said, if I'm going to get this taken care of immediately, I need to do that. So for a few months, that's what I did. And then the windows of heaven were open again. And Thankfully, I had wisdom enough, and that's where the wisdom of Nancy is like, well, if you've been able to save, and it was like 120 bucks a month, that amount from not eating out, doesn't it make sense to continue to do that? There's another tidbit of wisdom from God. We know what we need to do. We like to be led astray by different feelings and different emotions. But... God is pretty clear. Let's hit to the last one. It says, check your heart and ask God to show you the block. And we talked about that. If something's not working in your life, that's what you need to do. And as soon as God shows it to you, whatever it is, relationship issues can be the same way. Just simple words of wisdom. If you promise your wife a vacation, or if you promise your wife you know, some nice jewelry or something else, you best have that ready at the next birthday, Christmas, whatever the event may be. And guys, this is just a total aside, and I know we've got to get ready to tie up, that I want to share. Appliances, like vacuum cleaners, blenders, are not appropriate gifts. All the ladies are clapping. You know, it's like, I, I did, you know, we, we needed a vacuum cleaner. We didn't have a lot of money. So I figured I would give that to Nancy as her birthday gift. She was disappointed. I didn't know. Generally speaking, 
guys, we are clueless. We are completely clueless sometimes as to what our wives need. So that's why you need to get in front of God and say, okay, Father God, how can I be a better husband? And he'll show you. Sit down and listen. And listen with the TV off. With the newspaper down. And when you listen, sit down. Don't stand there like this. Yeah, okay. Would you want that? So why would you give it to your wife? The more I listen, the more I'm attentive to her needs, the better the marriage is overall, and the more I can learn. So when we pay our vows, and we'll do the last one here, because I think we've done it, it says pay your vow wisdom in finances. A budget, husband and wife working together, and knowing where that money goes, accountability. We need to be accountable, number one, to God. We need to be accountable, number two, to our family. And we need to be accountable, number three, to one another. Don't hide things from your spouse. Don't try to hide things from God. I mean, that's totally laughable. Like you're going to hide something from God who knows everything. It's, but we try to do that. And when you do that, you're going to start to see the blessings of God go from a trickle into a stream and from a stream into a mighty river. And that mighty river is going to bless not only you, but it's going to bless your family, it's going to bless your friends, it's going to bless this church, it's going to bless this area. God's called you not to be a fool. God's called you to be a blessing, to bless others, to reach out to others, to literally pull people out of that pit and bring them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let's stand so we can pray. There may be some of you both here as well as online who know about this Jesus, but don't really know him personally as Lord and Savior. So I'm going to pray now and I'm asked for those of you who haven't to pray with me that we might be able to all know the joy of our salvation. Father God, I'm not in the place I need to be. I'm far from you. I really don't know your son Jesus. Please forgive my sins. Please cleanse me and bring me into your kingdom where I'll know the joy of my salvation and live forever with Jesus. Amen. And Father, I pray your blessing upon those who need to leave right now. For the rest of you, come on up to the altar and soak and spend some time with God. The blessing I pray over you is the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you a peace that passes all understanding that'll keep your heart and your mind in the knowledge and love of God. 
And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be on you now and forever. In his name we pray. Amen.